podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. What's happening, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Courtside Fracker, UK-based podcast bringing all things NBA to your ears via Apple, Spotify, Patreon, and everywhere where you get your podcasts. It's been it's been a real good start to the conference finals, uh, so we're going to get into that. Um, we are going to this week talk about those games as well as how those series could be ending up moving forward. Talk a little bit about the um, all rookie teams and the MVP vote, which has uh, caused some controversy. Um, and just yeah, getting the guys' thoughts on it as as we do every week. This week I'm buzzing to be joined by. Um, a debutante who we will get onto in a minute. But first off, Harold, hot take hizzy. How are you, my friend? I'm well, mate. I'm well. All of my ops lost this week. Honestly, life is good. Uh, Clippers lost. United even lost yesterday. Honestly, I couldn't be happier. How are you, mate? I'm all good. Well, um, again, it's very, um, very time-sensitive how I am. Depending on the day you ask me at the moment, whether <laughs> it be the Toronto series or the Miami one. But yeah, I'm good now. Anyway. Uh, Oggy, Ognian, Mr. Soskic, how are we? I'm good, mate. I'm good. Still all right. I'm not, I'm not that fussed about game one. Game one. Um, hey, it's game one. And I'm going to second what Harold said. And listen, when United lose, everything's right with the world. So, And it's a long series. And Crystal Palace as well. Uh, and it's a long series. And uh, Denver only start playing with their 3-1 down anyway. And I'm a huge fan of the background that you've picked today. What real world-class athletes look like as children. Forget all this early specialisation training stuff. Get them on the juice, get them on the snacks, and then just keep <laughs> practicing overhead passes. Munching on, munching on some chivapi and pleskovic and all that kind of thing. That is why you're here, for the cultural edge. Eh? No one can comment on Serbian basketballers in the UK better than courtside fracker right now, because we've got the cultural edge. Uh, and the debutante, GT, I, I don't feel like any way I could introduce you will do it justice. But um, I'd, I'd just like to say, in my view, you really are the Zach Lowe of Wembley. That means a lot. That does mean a lot. So Completely, uh, completely nonsense, but it means uh, a lot. I mean, I haven't heard any people in Wembley come closer to Zach Lowe. So even if you're not that close, it's, it's probably still... It's a bit tallest dwarf, but hey, it's... Uh, yeah. It's not bad. Um, GT, I mean, we all, we all sort of have to do a little bit of a, an introduction when we do our first pod, so... Who are you? Who do you follow? Who do you support? Uh, who do you hate? Um, and, and what's your kind of NBA fandom journey in a short burst? Um, I'm GT. Um, I'm a Rockets fan, which is a miserable, miserable experience for the most part. Um, I, I sort of took them up when they signed Harden. It was like a good time to join. Um, <laughs> You know, we had some good times in, in the regular season. We, we put some big numbers up. Hasn't really worked out in the playoffs. But if we just ignore the postseason, it's been a really strong few years. If we just... No, 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 no. no. Sorry, no, no, jump, no. It, jump in ahead. Wait, wait. No, jump in ahead no, to no. the MVP, MVP conversation. It says, if we look at it like Yanis, yeah. perfect. Yeah. It's great. Yeah. Harden's been top, top two MVP for like four years. Top, he was third this year. It's, it's, it's going great. If we ignore the postseason is the most outrageous thing I've ever heard anyone say. <laughs> if we just ignore what 
the point of the sport is everything <laughs> yeah, is flowing yeah. nicely. No, but the point is that we're relevant. Like we're not like we're, we're always around. We're in a conversation. We're in in the season until like a month before it ends. We're always in the, in the conversation until that conversation turns sour, almost yeah. to like clockwork um, yeah. <laughs> around the second round or the conference finals. And also, like our team's always changing, there's always exciting who's news in, there's always people I don't even know. Severing relations with China, you're relevant, it matters. Yeah, we're always which in the rubbish, news cycle. Rubbish. Yeah, which rubbish big contract are you going to take on next? All of that's relevant. To yeah, you. we cycle through some big stars as well. I mean, we, you, you get a lot of bang for your buck when you, when you watch Rockets games. Speaking of bang for your buck and uh, bad contracts, just... As a as a Rockets fan, in in again short summary, um, and a and a Russ Venger, by the way, which uh, you've added to a large party as part of the podcast culture. There, there's a real Russ appreciation. Um, one great quote from the group chat recently is, "What is efficiency when the streets love you?" Which I thought was a real apt apt uh, Westbrook coin. How's that experiment worked for you as a as a hardened Westbrook guy? It's been weird because that that point when 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 we shipped Capella off and I love Clint um, I miss him he's gone it was great that first month small ball kicking it out he, he, he drives to the basket it was it was real real quality and something that we no one had ever seen before it was it was amazing and I'm kind of willing to just run it back he had COVID he had his quad thing it wasn't right for the Lakers series like he, he couldn't jump properly he wasn't getting the same elevation I'm kind of just happy to just Let's go again. We'll, we'll do it again and we'll see. Go again, no D'Antoni though. Yeah, that, that is a problem. I don't <laughs> really know what direction we're going to go in. I don't really understand like, if someone comes in, can they just tell Harden all the things you've been doing for four years where you just like, hold it and milk the clock and then take a step back. You can't do that anymore. How's he going to react? Are we going to try and trade him? I, I don't really know what, what the plan is, but... But what one? Be, we'll just run it back. But hey, gonna be in the news cycle again. Yeah, gonna be in the yeah. news cycle. Relevant, relevant, relevant. Um, relevant. So moving on to uh, you know teams who are still in the playoffs. Sorry, GT. Um, Harold and uh, Ognan, you had a, you had a big sort of deep dive in the week um, uh, on the Denver Lakers series. Um, and to be fair, it it was a a bit of a disappointing blowout for Denver. Um, I feel, feel like 90% of people I spoke to didn't even watch the fourth quarter because when Bol Bol comes out in the playoffs, you know it's, it's, uh, it's time to go. Um, but there were parts of which you kind of predicted was going to happen. I mean, one of the things straight away we'll start on is, is Nikola Jokic, um, the solar system to Denver's, uh, the sun to Denver's solar system, as you put it, Ognin. Um But you did point out that he may struggle against such size, the M... Uh, they can throw at him in LA. Um, and yeah, true to that, he did. So how did that work out? Uh, well, I'll just quickly go because uh, one of the things we didn't talk about at all, um, which we probably should have mentioned, you were talking about um, the Lakers being able to throw size on them. But then also, as a result of that, getting Jokic into lots of foul trouble. Like that's not something that it's kind of just went over my head a bit. And that's the thing that, that, that proved vital. Some of the calls were a little bit questionable, but, you know, that, that's just a game of basketball. I'm not, that, I'm not that fussed about him. And they threw Howard onto him, took JaVale out of, in the, after the first quarter, put Howard on him, and Howard was just... I mean, he was unreal, man. Yes. Like, 
And yeah, yeah, he was he was really good. He didn't he really didn't let Jokic breathe. There was a seven minute. I did a little bit of research as we did. It was just a seven minute stint in the second quarter, and Howard had uh, two steals, two fouls, and he drew two. He 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 did two fouls, and he but he drew five fouls. So he got in there, and he was really in amongst it. Um, and he just caused he caused problems for Jokic and. Not only that, Murray then gets into foul trouble as well. And then, you know, what are we, <laughs> to be honest? With both, with both Murray and Jokic sitting down for quite long stints, um, it's, it becomes a bit of a problem for us. And, you know, our second unit did okay. Uh, there was, I wanted to mention, there was, as I predicted on, from Friday's pod, Harold, there was a Plumlee bounce pass to a cut in Morris. That was lovely to see. I, see that, so I, I sounded really intelligent there. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but you know, it's just to go back to the point on 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 Jokic. He never really got going. He never got into a rhythm. He seemed he wasn't even that like when those fouls were being called on him. He normally gets more angry than he did. So I don't know what what's going on there. Um, but I'm I, hoping... you know what, do you know what, uh, Oggy? Sorry to interrupt you. I I think I know why. I think it's because I think Mike Malone would have told him Dwight is going to be a, just in your face. It's going to be a pest. It's going to be an annoyance. You saw even in like timeouts. Um, Dwight would go to the Nuggets bench and just like just stand around and just be an annoyance. That's just that's all he is. He's trying to get into your head. Like he's throwing these massive bouldering shoulders around. Like he's just in your face in every way, shape, and form. Dwight so, Howard is a fucking annoying guy. He, he, um, is, he is. So. And, I think, and I, I think Malone told Jokic this already. So when it happened, he was a bit like, damn, coach told me so. So I mean, I, I don't think he could react in such a way because as if he didn't know. Yeah, disappointed with himself, really. But, I mean, that's, that's the thing. You know, we always said that the coaches need to make these adjustments. There's been times when Malone has looked a little bit, you know, out of his depth, I guess, in the, in the Jazz series, which you mentioned. I know, Yas, you feel the same way about that. Um, but I, I believe he'll be able to make these adjustments. He's done it the last two series still in the end. Um, so I'm not, I'm not that worried, so to speak. Right? I'm just interested to see how he how he adjusted that and how Jokic maybe adjusts his game a little bit. That is the, that is the only thing I'm, I'm interested in. If, is if you're getting into foul trouble every game with those two, especially Murray and Jokic, who just are, if, I don't know, if, 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 oh. Jokic is, if Jokic is the sun, I don't know what Murray is. I'm not that sciencey. I don't know. Moons are pretty important, so maybe he's that. But, um, yeah, <laughs> like, without those two, you're, you're buggered. Um, can you see the physicality of the Lakers and all their bully ball as it's now being sort of coined? as just a recurring problem that you don't have an answer to, or do you have the personnel to maybe match that up? We, we, I think we do have the personnel. We, we play good team basketball. We're able to move the ball properly. So if we can do that, if we can move the ball a little bit quicker, then maybe we can get some open shots and, and the physicality won't be such an issue. Um, but that, you know, that remains to be seen. And there's no way we're going to be able to move the ball quicker and get into rhythm more if our two biggest stars are, are getting into foul trouble very early on. So I, I think that there's a chance there. And also, like, Lakers were so fired up. Like, they were, they were on it. And, you know, can they recreate that? I don't think LeBron's going to let them relax. But, you know, game two, let's see what happens. I'm, 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 not, like, I'm, I'm not down in the dumps massively. Like, I might have been after the, after the Clippers' first game. I was a bit like, oh. God, this is rubbish. But this time, I'm just like, let's just see how we adjust. Because we've got it in us. We've got it in us. So, yeah. 100%. And by the way, I just realised, looking at you there, Ognin, um, 
or Oggy, as the white man likes to call you. Um, uh, <laughs> or the black man. <laughs> um, any, uh, any non-Serbian. <laughs> any non-Serb, as the non-Yugoslav likes to call you. Um, I just any first time viewers might be on the YouTube thinking this guy really cares about Denver for a Heat fan. No, he's just got a jersey on to piss me off. So uh, anyone a bit confused about that? The man is he's a uh, Yugoslavian through and through. So Djokic is his current bay and in a city. And, and I've got and we've got representation in in Goran Dragic. At there the you team. go, Goran Dragic. You will get a lot of airtime later because he's been top class. Uh, Harold, just just pivoting over. We've talked about Denver a lot and how they might get back into it. To be honest, and I've asked if he's one of the most overrated on the pod, not because of him being bad, because of how little he's shown postseason or in huge games to really take over. Anthony Davis, 37 points, on fire, unstoppable, um, looking like in that game. Yeah. That's the AD you need to see every game, right? And, and why was he able to do that where he hasn't been able to really bottle that up and, and unleash it recently? Well, I think, <clears throat> so in basketball, a lot of emphasis is made on the, uh, on the mental edge of the game. And I think that has some element to play. But however, you could see that after game one against uh, Portland in round one, he had a poor game. And from there, he said that he sat down and he had a proper conversation with himself, sat with LeBron, etc., And really understood his, his own worth in this team and realised that he is the key to winning this championship. And I think he will be the key to winning this series, as we spoke on uh, the preview pod, Oggy. So I think he's realised that him, there's a, sometimes he almost performs like a fairy. I like using the word fairy because they just prance around like all really like fleet footed and they'll run around and not really dominate as they should. So sometimes he likes to, I don't know, maybe he has this false pretense. I'm like, so glad that you uh, like qualified that with so much detail because that in this PC culture, that could have got us cancelled immediately. <laughs> So thanks for clarifying every detail of that about why fairy is appropriate and it doesn't have any other connotations about it. Thanks, yeah, cheers, Harold. Yeah, yeah. Nice one. Lawyers will be happy. <laughs> no worries. Um, and so yeah, sometimes he has like a false pretenses that he is Kevin Durant when he's not. And I just like him to dominate the paint a bit more. So he has done that. And I think this series, what's really made him so prevalent and so important is because he is the dominant big man. Like he is the skilled big man that everyone is that, that everyone is speaking of. He is the kryptonite. This is what we were speaking about. If, um, as we said on the preview pod, if Denver are Clippers kryptonite, then the Lakers are Denver's kryptonite simply because of AD. Mostly because of AD. Um, so yeah, he's, he's he's a skilled baller, and I think when you put um, a guy like Millsap on him, and to be fair, Millsap's all right, but when you put a guy like Millsap on him, he's just you just can't stop it. It's just, he's just, he's seven foot tall. His wingspan is God knows how long. You just can't stop it. When you, you're just phys you're physically at a disadvantage. And I think he has, he's realized he's, um, that he's stronger and better than a lot of people in the post. So he's using that to his advantage. Also, he's quite savvy. He gets to the line a lot. He got to the line 15 times. I, I love to see it personally. His ability to get to the line is fantastic. I think he uses it to his, his advantage. And this is how, AD should be playing the postseason. This is how, this is the top five in the NBA. Everyone speaks of. This is how he should be playing. You and GT have that in common. Uh, you and GT have that in common. Is you like your bigs big, and you don't like them to mess about, and and uh, you want to do you want them to be doing what they that what they're good at. GT, I'm just going to quickly ask you something. Um, Anyone who is interested in the most niche bets in sporting history might want to go over to GT's Twitter because he really. Oggy's smiling already because he knows exactly what I'm on about. 
he really does like to, to deep dive into his predictions. So we just look at some of the evidence of this. Betting against his own beloved Rockets, there was a big win of James Harden under 35 point, under 30.5 points, Westbrook under 1.53's match result, LA. Last night, not so lucky. Jason Tatum, Marcus Smart, Jay Crowder, Duncan Robinson all to have two or more threes uh, made. Didn't quite bang. Um, similarly, in the last round, Lopez had a bio, two blocks. Robinson, Chris Middleton, two threes. GT relies on a lot of uh, variables coming to keep his bank balance alive. So, GT, if you were, if you were going to put one bet on this series, which is as niche as these, that you would really back, who, who in particular, particular are you looking at for the little intricacies? Maybe an AD, maybe a Rondo, maybe a, a Harris in, in Murray's having to sit moments. What, what are you looking at? Who are you looking at for, for these little metrics? Um, I like the Rondo assist number because the lob threat, because Jokic can't jump and JaVel can jump and Dwight can jump. And that and sounds AD, really basic. with that Pelicans connection. Just and that sounds really basic, but like Rondo just sees that every time the vertical space, and he just and he just hits it. So I like I like I like that. Um, I like the Jokic sort of combined number. You can do the points, rebounds, and assists total. Um, so there was I'll, an I'll incredible always... stat on that where he was the first ever in postseason to hit six hundred points. Yeah, yeah. Basically, no one is triple doubling like him ever before in the postseason. And I don't think you can you can sort of the foul trouble. I I don't really, I, I'm not really bothered by it. Like, I don't think it's going to be like a problem going forward. And also, I think if it is a problem, it's kind of the coach's fault because if your two best players have got three fouls, you don't actually have to take them out. Like, it's not a rule that you have to sit for like seven minutes of the, of the second quarter. And did they even play in the fourth quarter? Like either of them? So you just saved that time. For nothing, like they could have. Come oh, you saved it to let the game get away from you. Yeah, essentially, it's, it's, yeah. It's pointless. Like it really annoys me. It's one of the little coaching things that just makes no sense. No, but I, I don't know. I disagree. I think people like LeBron and AD, as a, how I mentioned, they're savvy enough. They would just attack those guys and then put us in even more foul trouble. And if you've got AD attacking Jokic every single time, like probability-wise, he's going to draw fouls from him like almost most of the time. You know, so. So I don't know. I I, I think I, I understand why they're 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 taken out. To be honest, let's take both of them out. It's, it's, I think it's crazy. Like you basically just concede in that time, then you basically yeah. like, oh, use the next seven minutes. Like, I think of any of them, you want to maybe keep Murray in, keep him out on the perimeter, keep him away from any sort of contact fouls and everything like that, and at least rotate some because without Murray, the scoring threat is just it, well Murray and Jokic obviously, but Murray at least you have the range. You have. You haven't been able to sort of get in some assists from under the rim and stuff like that. Creates create shots out of nothing as well. Some of his like spin mid-range shots and, and freeze that he hits is 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 mad. So it's a good debate though. Who do you who do you take out out of those two if you have to take one of them out? It's fair. Well, yeah, well you can't do much about the sun in the solar system. Uh, last little word on this series, and it's you know we talked a lot on different episodes about how important it is for. Um, people who you wouldn't expect to do a lot to smash the playoffs. Ironically, someone who everyone had kind of forgotten about was playoff Rondo as opposed to normal Rajon Rondo. Um, and he's really, really, really proven his worth in this postseason. And I know we all kind of have opinions on him. He's probably my just favourite throwback player ever. GT thinks he's a terrible human being. Um, and Harold probably just loves the fact that 
I have to watch him do good things in a Lakey uniform. Uh, Oggy, I know you wanted to speak on Rondo just again as a as a previous Rondo fan in in your in your history, just how he's come back fresher than everyone through missing the bubble and has brought a bit of maturity and a bit of uh, quality to this Lakers team. So just nine assists against us in game one. He did one bounce pass Three, from two. above his head. Was it two? I don't even know. <laughs> but the first, I've never seen an assist like it. Like, literally started the bounce pass from up high above his head oh, and it, uh, inside, to, inside to AD. Uh, GT mentioned earlier, knows how to use the vertical space. Like, he throws up alley-oops for fun. And then finally, uh, um, hitting that shot over the backboard. Just as like a cherry, cherry on top that he hit. I can't remember when it was, second half, I think. Um, he sees things. He's, he's unreal. And I mentioned him in the preview, preview pod that He's one that I would be afraid of, and he might take away. He takes away some of the some of the pressure on LeBron to make plays, on LeBron to run it. Even though Harold LeBron with twelve assists in that <laughs> in game one, so those two had a combined twenty-one assists. Like that's that's mad. But Rondo, like I've just got so much love for him. And one thing that I mentioned was I thought maybe he's lost a yard of pace to create a shot for himself. Even he was just blowing by people as well like what, what this guy this guy I'm, I'm forever gonna love him and just the fact that he is one of the best passers in the league and his name is Rondo and you know how much I love football NBA crossover chat that's another reason so so that's me Harold on to you mate yeah I think on on Rondo the, there's so obviously we have two main ball handlers in Bron and, and Rondo Bron is great for transition and that was my goodness, that was on the show so much against the Denver series because you notice that Denver just really, really um, careless with the ball. There were so many turnovers initially. I think later in the in the third, in the end of the third and, and the fourth, when the game was pretty much over, we started to give away the ball a lot. J.R. Smith was doing J.R. Smith things, um, but then Rondo, he's so great when you're running up with the ball at a slower pace. If you need to slow the game down, the other team are going on a run. He'll slow the game down, run up with the ball and pick the right pass. And it, w- it won't just be a good pass. It'll be a great pass through to someone. And it, it, more often than not, it'll be an open look. And I think sometimes you just look at him and you're like, wow, okay, I didn't realise how important you could be in a, in a playoff series. He's, his passing ability, I think, is fantastic. You can see that physically he's not there. But one thing I will touch on on, on Rondo, and I'm disappointed that Denver didn't do it. Well, I'm not being a supporting Lakers, but disappointed that Denver didn't do it from like a series point of view. They didn't really isolate him on D. The Lakers managed to hide him quite well. He was, and that, that was his main li- liability that we were speaking of, Oggy, on the, on the preview part is that if he gets isolated on defense, it's long. Like, that's, that's where, he can, that's where he, he can be outplayed. That didn't really happen. Lakers hit him pretty well. And offensively, he was, he was the guy who we, who we all see him in, in the postseason. Yeah, definitely. GT, uh, I know your favourite Rondo moment in the last few years has basically been when Chris Paul tried to punch him in the face. So, um, Excellent. I, I, Great Rockets moment. I'm not going to pivot over to you because uh, I, I, wanna, I don't want to dampen my, my little hero's moment. Listen, I mean... No, no, I, I, will, I will say that <laughs> play, playoff Rondo is a real thing. Like yeah. it's, it's like, all, there's almost no player that you can have like such a huge gap between regular season and post-season. He's like the anti... Uh, anti-Harden basically like it's, it's crazy <laughs> I'm so glad you said it I was going to say yeah. that's a great podcast episode anti-Harden wow anti-Harden we have to call it <laughs> anti-Harden um, yeah I mean 
boys, like this one's gonna run and run. I'm not gonna ask for any updated predictions or anything like that. But um, I think it still could be a really interesting series, 100%. Denver, just if they can sort that physicality issue out. And like you said, Ogden, yeah, 21 assists between Bron and, and Rondo. You know where the creation is going to come from. If they can find a way to stop that at source a little bit more, um, then, uh, just, then, yeah. I'll just, just quickly add one thing, because Harold made a really good point on, on LeBron in transition, and we, and we mentioned it and stuff. But they... There was a moment in the, in, the, in the Clippers series where Denver was scoring baskets and then the Clippers were coming up the other end. It only happened a couple of times and, and getting a real quick basket. The Lakers did that a lot. So they literally, they saw that, they clocked that, and they did a lot. And one of the things I mentioned was when we get our defence going, our offence is a lot better. We have a lot of confidence going forward. And you just can't do that if you're not defending those transition baskets and not defending, not getting back in position after scoring baskets. We're not going to get any rhythm whatsoever. But Lakers are, they're sick. They're sick at that. And LeBron moves up the floor so fast. I mean, I, what, I, don't, understand, I don't understand this guy, honestly. He's 35 and he's doing what he's doing still. We mentioned playoff Rondo. Playoff LeBron's there. And if you've got both of them firing, that's mad. 2012 is very envious right now. Uh, GT, just as a last word on this series, you once said, I think when the trade was being discussed, that AD, LeBron James, is basically an automatic title. Are you sticking with that? Yeah, I think I am. Like, I think they'd beat the Celtics. I think the Heat would give them more of a problem. Mm. And it is just them two and playoff Rondo because they're some bums on that team that are just <laughs> getting loads of minutes. Oh, I know. Morris again, the other Morris brother, Harold. What is the family and Denver? I, w- I would have never guessed that uh, the two Morris brothers at the start of this season over in Detroit and New York were going to have such an impact on the Western Conference playoff run. But, but yeah, more fool me, I guess. So, look, that's, that's the Western Conference final. Really interesting series to come. Over at the East, we've, uh, we've got Boston Celtics versus Miami Heat. Three games into that now after last night. Um, first two games went to the Heat, arguably um, thrown away by Boston. Um, Boston, with a 17-point lead at halftime of game two, ended up losing that one. Um, and a 14-point lead in the fourth quarter of game one, ended up losing that one. Um, and it's fine margins. At the end of game one, you have that incredible Bam Adebayo block, which I swear is one of the best pure blocks I've ever seen. The hand placement, the wrist strength. The fact that it was, I was speaking to you, Ognian, off the pod, and you said it was almost like a goaltend, how deep that ball was with the, with the block. And then second game, second game, you've got a Jalen Brown wide open three from his spot, by the way. That, that left-hand corner is Jalen Brown's highest percentage shot. Um, and that just rims out and, and never really looks like going in. So, fine margins. Celtics found themselves 2-0 down. Um, stories of Marcus Smart basically losing his shit in the dressing room after game two. There was his of clanging and things being thrown. And there was a little story of Jalen Brown having to be separated from Marcus Smart. That wasn't a huge story, really. I think anyone who's been in the dressing room knows that you can have those moments. And both of those two guys quashed it afterwards and said, that's just smart and, and you need someone like that on your team. Quite encouraging, to be honest, to have seen that reaction after the game two. Um, and then game three, Celtics have come back really strong and and got the win that they're probably their play deserved in the in the first two games. GT, I know you were watching um, this one quite interest quite intently in the first two games. Um, where were where were Miami 
making things so difficult for Boston because it was almost like a game of two halves both times. Boston in the second half just struggled to deal with what Miami was switching into in terms of playing almost exclusively zone defense, really limiting uh, Kemba. Tatum, I'd say being forced to take crap, crap shots, especially in the fourth quarter. Uh, what have Miami done so well? Well, I feel like this this whole series is just about Boston. I don't. I feel like if Boston just do what they can do, there's nothing that he can do about it. Like this is like this should have been a series for Kemba. Like I was really, I, I expected Kemba from the first game to just kill it, because the only reason he struggled against Toronto because they were doing that boxing one and it was just confusing him, and he was, and he just wasn't getting good shots and he wasn't getting to his spots. But like Dragic can't stay in front of him. Like he just can't. Robinson can't stay in front of him. Hero can't stay in front of him. He should be able to just blow by every single time. First game, he struggled. But I, I really feel like the Celtics have just outplayed the Heat, like, all three games. And it's all come down to sort of late-game execution. Like, Butler's just a man. Dragic is just a man. And, and like, Crowder, they've just decided, now these are kids. We, we can beat them if we just, like, focus and just do what we do. And Celtics just allowed it to happen. And I think that's why the frustration blew over after game two. Because they know that they're better than the Talent-wise, they're just, they're just so much better. And you saw that yesterday, like last night. And I don't really feel like the Heat have got an answer. I don't think there's anything to do. Like, you can't expect Hero to literally just be a hero and just like shoot crazy like threes that aren't really open. Well, last night, I think he was superhero in his shooting in that he got four out of his yeah. five back-to-back or something like that. It was, it was insane. So even that's what they, that's what they have to rely on. That's what they have to rely on. They have to rely on like Robinson, Robinson going crazy and Hero going crazy because otherwise they just can't live with it. Like Crowder hitting like like he was Clay Thompson. That's not a reliable strategy. Like we've seen his whole career. That's not who he is. Apparently it is now because he's had a good year of it. Um, yeah, I mean, and I think your point there about the age thing, I know it sounds so simplistic, but Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum are nowhere near their peak of experience. Maybe their skill set won't change massively, but just Jimmy Butler is been through a lot in his career, can manage and lead a team. Kemba, for all of being a vet, this is what, his second postseason? And the first one, he was just there for a laugh, like with Charlotte, just like, this is, this is a good bit of crack. Um, and Tatum, yeah, like, you'd argue maybe, you, as good a dunk attempt it was, you'd argue that in three years, Tatum doesn't go to try and dunk on Bam Adebayo as the last player of the game. Tatum knows to move the ball better in the fourth when he's 26 compared to 22. Um, and I think you're absolutely right. Like, Bam is young, but he plays well beyond his years. And I think Dragic and Butler are just being incredible this series. Dragic is north of 25 points in, in game one and two so far. Um, and yeah, the Kemba problem is is one because I think the defensive issues in that first game, first two games in particular, I mean, Harold, you said the Lakers hid uh, Rondo well. The Celtics did not do the same for Kemba. They... He, the brother can't even get a charge properly. Like he, 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 he's not a good defender. It, it goes beyond height and and strength and everything. Like he loses people. Um, he doesn't close out three pointers well enough. And then when he does, he hasn't got the wingspan to really stop them. Um, and yeah, he is just a sieve. And if he's not um, excelling on the offensive end, like like we need him to, then then it just becomes a bit of an issue. Um, yeah, I mean, we again talking about experience. We got very lucky with Hayward as well. Um, like it doesn't surprise me. I said to Harold 
um, what's it to Sai, sorry, on our preview that if Hayward isn't back before game two, we've got a problem. Luckily, he's come back game three. His shot was off two of seven last night, but he played 30 minutes. So, and then with a little break for the next game, you hope he can kind of stay fresh. But he made a ridiculous difference. Number one, I don't have to see Shemi fucking Ojale's face on the court, bruv, in a playoff game. Yeah? <laughs> bruv, my God, that was nice. Um, <laughs> but number Thanks. two, like he is, people call him a zone breaker. And it is because he makes the right play every time. Like his passing is crisp. He can read the floor very well. He's a good size to defend most of the Heat's matchups, to be honest. Um, he, can, he can get to the rim once his bounce comes back. And I swear, it is such a relief to have him back. And that is the defining factor for our series. Because again, for all of his being a flop in Boston with injuries and this, that and the other, there's never been a time Celtic fans have been so happy to see him on the floor as now. And, and he can hopefully bring that same sort of maturity and experience as Butler and Dragic can. Um, yeah, Harold. Yes, quickly, sorry. Yeah. I just want to ask, because I know GT, like, you were a big Gordon Hayward fan when he was, when he was at the Jazz. Um, like, how, how is his, has his game changed a lot since then? Uh, you know, he's had his injuries and stuff, so maybe he's been forced to, but how's his, how's his game different, maybe, to what it was like at, at the Jazz? Well, he's much less, like, physically dynamic. Like he used to, he used to like drive. Yeah. Dunk. He, he, he was like a real, real threat, sort of just going to the basket. Now he's slow. He picks it apart. He plays like a like a thirty-four-year-old like veteran point guard, but he's but he's good. He he, he breaks down the defenses. Like he uses a shot clock. He gets his guys good shots. Like he's he's really good. Like he's overpaid and all of that. He doesn't like can't really help that now. But yeah, yeah he's 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 a massive sort of facilitator and that sort of I guess he's even is he a tertiary ball handler is he, maybe he's a secondary it's a weird one yeah because I'd, I'd go as far as saying he is secondary when he's on the floor yeah. um, I think Smart is, has proven his worth as a ball handler really well I think he's underrated in that regard to be honest again making it at this Kemba series <laughs> we had a lot of our success last night when Kemba was playing off ball um, and Kemba was out in the corner and Kemba was doing little cuts to move people away because he is still a threat and you have to respect his shot and everything like that. And he, I think he was about 50% from three last night. Um, but, yeah, I think Hayward, without that dynamism, especially, let's not forget, the guy, apart from that angle break, he's just come back off an ankle sprain. So we can't be expecting him to do what he would have done three years ago. Um, but we're very, very lucky that he's as versatile as he is because he still does have a lot of value. Not 34 million worth of value, but again... <laughs> The contract is the contract. Um, and, yeah, I think him taking the ball definitely allows Tatum to free up a little bit. Tatum hasn't – his passing's really improved this postseason, especially against Toronto. But we saw with Tatum as a primary ball handler in, in clutch minutes in this series, it's just been a bit of a disaster. And he's been indecisive and he's buckled and slipped and fucked up. Um, but, again, as much as that's the good thing for the Celtics, even last night, there was a 20-point lead that after a flagrant one from Jalen Brown turned into six points with a Miami possession with about a minute and a half left. What is it that is throwing these leads away? Is it the Celtics immaturity? Is it just Miami's culture? Is it Brad Stevens? Is it exhaustion because we only have six guys? What is it, Harold? What would you put down to, to the way the Celtics keep letting these leads slip in this series? 
do think a bit of an experience does come into that and how we were saying that a lot of the Celtics guys are younger. However, I need to give a lot more credit to the Miami Heat. They are designed just because GT said it earlier that it's very similar to the Toronto series I felt so far. Celtics are outplaying these guys. Like they are outplaying them in the game of basketball. But when it matters, they know what difference they need to make. So they'll stay in and around the game where possible. Probably not too similar from Denver in the last three games against Clippers. And they're like, okay, you know what? I'm going to be the difference in the fourth quarter. All I need to do is make sure we're in and around the points total. I'm going to step up when necessary. And Butler said it at one time out. I think the reporter was like, I'm going to focus. And that's why you see he's, he's points total. He doesn't, really, he doesn't give a damn about it. So he doesn't give a damn about his haircut. So you can see him. He'll be like, oh, I'm going to wait for the rest of my team to get hot. And then the fourth quarter, when necessary, I'll take over and I'll do what I need to do. So that's their mentality. They're like, I couldn't care less about my points at all. I couldn't care less about my, my field goal percentage. I'm, we're going to get the W anyway, anyway, how. Whether it's me, whether it's Dragic, whether it's Hero, whether it's Bam, we're going to get, we're going to, I'm about to say we're going to get the three points. We're going to get the win, in short. So I think they, they have that mentality in, in them. And it's, and it's inspired by Spo. And it's also, it's, it's instilled on the court by Butler. Butler is the coach on the court and I think it's infectious energy to be around and I think that they just show up when necessary in a full court. A lot of credit needs to be given to Miami, I feel. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, GT, Harold, you weren't on the preview and Ognin, you weren't on the preview pod. Having watched these three games, uh, I was Celtics in seven. I still I emotionally messaged GT the other day that it's over because I was just pissed off and uh, <laughs> I think I messaged the group chat that um, I might become a Pelicans fan if this goes as badly as it keeps going on just because I was upset. I, we all say things that we're not proud of. Um, I'm not going to do a Janine and run at the first sight of trouble. Um, yeah, uh, but I still think it's going deep. I think the next game, obviously, if it does go 3-1, okay, and we've given the advantage away, which is a problem. But, I, yeah, it's a it's a better team against... A team ahead and so I think now 2-1 it's a really interesting balance in terms of who does get the next game is probably in the driving seat I'd say um, but wh where do you guys sort of see this one going so Ogni we'll start with you I know game three you haven't fully caught up on yet so you've, you've probably seen the worst of us as a Celtics fan but uh, where do you see this going with that fucking jersey in months? <laughs> uh, I, I'm, I'm with you man I think I think Celtics in seven and also, you just talking about um, if the Heat go 3-1 up. But hey, what's a 3-1 lead? What's a 3-1 to a Denver fan, I guess, yeah. 3-1's the most dangerous scoreline in, in the NBA playoffs this year, mate. So I wouldn't worry too much about that. But the, the, the bits I have seen, you know, Celtics do look, do look good. And, I, and I, think, I think Celtics come through on that. And just, as, just quickly, although I'm a Denver fan, it would be amazing to have a Celtics-Lakers final NBA finals again to add to all the ones that we have seen throughout history so I'm I am despite the confusion of having Jokic background a heat jersey on just to piss you off um I'm saying Celtics in in seven well, I, I think I think Adam that. I think Adam Silver quite likes that idea as well which might explain some of the officiating in Denver uh, Lakers last night uh, I didn't say anything about that but yeah. maybe um Harold uh, you are essentially the establishment, I feel like, as a Lakers and Liverpool fan. So do you want this establishment final of Celtics uh, LA as well? Company, man. Um, it would be nice just for, the, just, just for the old ages. However, 
as long as I'm, I'm fine with whoever, you know what I mean? Just whoever it needs to be, you know, just we'll sweep, we'll sweep either of you, to be honest. I mean, life well, is good. Who, 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 who do you see as the most likely Eastern Conference representative based oh, off okay. these games? So, I haven't actually seen game three, um, but the way you're speaking of Gordon Hayward is is, is quite is, is quite high in um, regard. So, I think I, I will take some stock into that. It's all about how you're making changes. However, I can see this going, I can see this um, series going 2-2 now. Um, and I can't lie to you. I think something might, might have the edge. I think that, that, that bust up in the, in the dressing room might be the difference. Like it's not, it's not a surprise that they have a bust up in the, in the changing room and all, all um, Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, Kemba and Marcus Smart all go for plus 20. Uh, it's not a surprise. Like, I haven't seen that at all this series. They're, they're clearly playing with a newfound vim, if you, if you, if you call it. So, yeah, man, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to stick in my prediction because I think it's, there's some take integrity they need to have. I initially said Miami in six. Mm. I mean, but, listen, that, I think this next game decides it. I think that 3-1, and it could very much be Miami in six. It's, it's a tough one to call, but if you're sticking with that, that's cool. I think you've just reminded me of something you mentioned in Jalen Brown, to be honest, before we get to GT. And GT, you might have an opinion on this as well. Um, Miami's zone was a problem. Jalen Brown is, the, is another X factor here that we've not considered, really. In the first two games, the guy was not getting the ball. I don't know his exact usage rate. I haven't checked it, but he was not getting the ball. And I think that's where a lot of frustration came from in game two, especially. Bruv, the zone is there to be got at if you have players who can get it and drive and get to the rim. Jalen Brown was going up at the rim against Bam, against Kelly Olenek, getting his points. Um, and it was a huge, huge, huge factor for us. So Jalen Brown, I have put it on the Twitter, but it was 11 of 17, 64%, 65% from the field. Didn't attempt many threes because he was so, so uh, dedicated to going to the rim. Um, After season, 20, I like it. 26 points, five assists, three steals. Jalen Brown was effective in transition. He was nicking the ball and then going and either assisting transition points or, or finishing them. Um, and again, like, like you said, Hayward, uh, he, yeah, he had a good game. He wasn't huge on the stat sheet, but it, just, it, just, it was, a, it was a, a mental thing. It felt more assured when he was there. Um, yeah, um, GT, over to you, mate, just for, for your little shout. I feel, I feel like if Celtics can crack the zone, I don't know if that's something that plays into your decision as well on, on what you think this series ends up as. Yeah, the thing with the zone is, like, I know there's different types, but if you're just running the same shape... Which they seem to be, by the way. Yeah, which they are, then it's much less effective because I, I always feel like the whole point of the zone is just to cause confusion and just eat the shot clock. So then you have to reset and then suddenly you've got mm. eight seconds to come up with something. If you know you're facing the zone, you know exactly who's going to be where, then it should be pretty easy to game plan against it. Um, yeah. I said Celtics in six before the series started. I'd probably stick with that. That would be a comeback for the ages there. If we yeah, really want to figure out, out the zone, if that's the case. The, the only thing is, is the late game execution. Because even yesterday, there was like 45 seconds left. Yeah. Marcus Smart took a shot with 13 left on the shot clock. It was the shot so clock management's been awful. so bad, so bad. Awful. Yeah, uh, there was and one he took as well where there was a completely clear passing lane. And listen, I love Marcus Smart, but it was a completely yeah game clear two. I know what you're talking lane. about. Took a fucking three. There was Jalen Brown or someone was at the rim. Like it's, it, it was mad. And 
Tatum's not been great with the shot clock. Kemba's been defaulting to ISO plays when he doesn't need to at times as well. The shot clock management has been bad. It was better last night, but still has not been bad. And again, it just circles back to that experience um, that we talked about at the start. So, so that's that's a lot of uh, that's a lot of Celtics love. Hopefully, that's not just the recency bias of, of last night. Um, look, let's finish up away from the court and onto, um, I guess, not awards season as it's raindrops throughout. I guess it's not all at once. LeBron, uh, Harold's idol, Harold's hero, Harold's um, perspective of the ideal man. (laughs) Got a bit of um, traction online where (laughs) I found it hilarious that he, like it was rehearsed, brought up an incident from 2012 where, I mean, I had the chance to win Defensive Player of the Year and MVP, but... Marcus, so that made me laugh that he, he had that exact example just ready in the barrel when asked about this question. But he did have a point, and he made a great point about Kendrick Nunn, Tyler Hero as well. Kendrick Nunn had a great regular season in terms of minutes, um, and, and he was in the starting five for Miami. But Tyler Hero is by far the more dynamic, effective, wow factor player for Miami this year. Kendrick Nunn, first team all rookie, Tyler Hero, second team all rookie. And I get that these awards are done of partly narrative, partly minutes played, all this sort of stuff. Um, but again, it, it's twofold. It's, it, when it comes before the playoffs, I, or after the regular season, during the playoffs, I get this a regular season award. But how hollow is it for Yanis to get MVP and he's sitting at home? My other favourite one from about two years ago is Dwayne Casey getting coach of the year after he'd already been fired by Toronto because he'd been swept in the first round. Like, these awards, they just, I get that they're regular season. How do we feel about the Yanis one in retrospect? How do we feel about the whole award thing anyway in the NBA? Is it fair? And it's a thing that should matter because players' contracts depend on this. It it, it has an impact on what they earn. Yeah. No, no, just quickly, I, I think the timing of them has always been stupid. It's always during playoffs, after playoffs. And we're all now, we're fully invested in looking at people like playoff Rondo, playoff LeBron and all of that. And then all of a sudden for someone to say, oh, by the way, remember, remember a couple of months ago during the regular season, so-and-so was really good, so-and-so was really good. And Yanis was really good at defending Chicago and New York. Yeah, yeah, and Atlanta. And it's like, we've moved on. And as you lot know, you know, doing this podcast, how quickly the world of basketball moves, like it's just, it's just so rapid. I'm not really interested anymore in what happened during the regular season. Um, I just think if they're going to do those awards, do, do them at the end of the regular season, you know, before the playoffs start, and it would make a little bit more, a little bit more sense. But the timing of them, done. And also just Yanis, I probably deserved it to get, to, to, to get MVP. Like, um, that's my opinion on that. Um, but I just think change, change when these awards are given because I don't really care <laughs> right now. <laughs> yeah, I've, I, I'm, I'm not too dissimilar from Oggy. I think this, we have the same conversation every year, don't we? We're like, why do we, why do we have this uh, at this time? And it's happening again, even with the whole COVID and bubble situation. And it's, it's, it's very frustrating. Um, so, yeah, I guess, and if, I don't even think bubble games counted, if I'm not mistaken. Is that right? 
bubble. Didn't do do the bubble. Yeah, they had a bubble MVP. <laughs> oh yeah, Harold got really upset about Lily. I was, I was like, what is this? Why do we have a bubble MVP? Are you taking the piss, guys? Like, what? Listen, the timing of that though made more sense because they did it at the end of the. the, the yeah, okay, okay, fair, fair enough. They got money from it. They got Kia. Kia gave them oh, the check. I see. Of course, of course. I mean, okay. Now, now you mentioned money, it all makes sense, isn't it? But what I'm saying is that if the bubble games did, did, didn't count, you had all that time to, to get everything together. The fact that they're even like releasing, okay, MVP this week, uh, Fire of the Year this week, it's like, my goodness, just give us a day if everyone wins it and leave us alone. You know, it's like, let's just do it and move on. It's a bit annoying. One thing I will say that like, what LeBron did say, I listened to that clip that you had, um, yeah, before I go to you, Oggy, is that. Yeah, he was speaking about the narrative and like sometimes it's about a narrative, but one thing I will say, if LeBron had won MVP this year, it would have been about that narrative that he was speaking about. I thought that was a bit ironic. I like that he's so feisty and sassy, if you like, because it makes him like as this enemy. And when he when he's like that, he's really good. So I, I like I like him for all this. Like, no, but this Harold, you're exactly right, because... As these two will attest to, as I've chat basketball with them a lot, my preseason prediction was sixes in the finals at the East. We won't dwell on that one too much. That was a disaster. But my MVP prediction was LeBron. Before seeing a minute of basketball, because my head was, well, the Lakers are going to be good now. They were shit last year. LeBron's going to be a part of that MVP. Uh, so, so it would 100% have been, been about that. Um, just, just on these awards, I wouldn't like to be a, a winner of them look, looking at them. Uh, they really are the, the cursed, most cursed NBA awards I've ever seen, right? So we got Yanis, second rounder to Kumpo, um, getting M- MVP, sitting at home. Coach <laughs> Nick Nurse threw every zone imaginable at Brad Stevens and got bounced, sitting at home. Ja Morant, rookie of the year, was in prime spot of eighth. Memphis Grizzlies came into the bubble and did everything they possibly could to lose that eighth spot sitting at home. Sixth man of the year award was to Montrez Harrell, who looked so rusty and unable to create anything offensively in his series. A big part of why the Clippers bench weren't able to really do as much sitting at home. And most improved player, Brandon Ingram, is uh, sitting at home while the other finalists, Bam Adebayo is still here, potentially about to win a conference final. So uh, I don't think anyone should be too upset about losing out on any of these awards this season. Uh, Boys, that's been really, really good time uh, looking back on these two conference finals. I think there's many, many more twists and turns to come in them. Um, Buzzing, honestly, NBA full flow, even just getting rid of the shit in the bubble. It's been constant good since. GT, I hope your first podcast experience was a good one, mate, and hope to see you on uh, soon. This postseason, we're probably going to do a few autopsies of teams, and uh, we'll definitely be getting at you for, for what the hell Daryl Morey's going to do over in Houston, because that will be that will be uh, in the news cycle, no doubt. Ogni and Harold, thank you for your time, boys. Uh, this has been Courtside Frackart. This has been another Sunday pod. This has been another weekly update. No doubt we will be having things to comment on tonight. Denver Lakers soon as so heat comes back as well um keep it locked patreon twitter all of that courtside fracker youtube see you lot soon sports social podcast network